check, check. All right, looks like we are live on a Saturday night, fight night. Welcome to Culture. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Thank you so much for joining us on our second episode. For those who don't know, I am the host of the podcast Struggle Session, which you can find at patreon.com slash struggle session and sesh.plus and struggle session.substack.com and of course sesh.show and all fine podcast applications. Let me tweet out the show we're doing now. This is Culture, my new show, on the call in that. It's a brand new thing. And you can call in. You can be a part of the show. That's the beauty of the call-in app. You can just call in. I've been wanting to do a call-in show for a while. I love sports radio back in the day. We're doing a sports night tonight. I love when people come in with their hot takes on sports because they're always fun. So if you want to call in tonight, please feel free to do so. I'm just going to be sitting here talking about some combat sports. It's a big night tonight. You got... ROH, final battle, perhaps the final Ring of Honor show, if you can believe it. You have UFC 269, huge show, one of the biggest cards they've put on in a while, especially in the pandemic era, big main events in UFC. Also had a big week in AEW, Hook, they sent Hook. Finally, finally, the debut of Taz's <laughs> badass Ikiman son, Hook, in AEW. And it, was, it, was, it lived up to the hype. I'll talk about it in detail, but it lived up to the hype. I was shocked at how good it was. Right now, I'm checking out Final Battle, though. Final Battle is on right now on pay-per-view. Homicide is in the ring with uh, Brody King. Chris Dickinson, Rocky Romero. Got a little bit of Rottweilers out there. For the old school RH fans, for the old heads, you may remember the Rottweilers. Rottweilers were one of the best factions in all of wrestling. You had Loki. You had Homicide. You had Julius Smokes, street name J-Train. And, of course, you also had the Havana Pitbulls, Rocky Romero, Ricky Reyes, a.k.a. Rick New. Absolutely stellar squad. One of the best factions you're ever going to see. One of my favorite eras in Ring of Honor. A lot of people's favorite era, era of Ring of Honor is more of the Adam Cole era. I feel like it got a lot of fans that way. The Young Bucks era. The all The... The uh, Bullet Club era. That's not my era of Ring of Honor. My, I started way, way back in the day. From the first, first show. Era of Honor Begins. I think it came, When was that show? February 23rd, 2002. Independent wrestling show happens in Philadelphia. At the old ECW arena. You know, this is the era where it's only WWE at this point. ECW has closed down. WCW has closed down. 
WWE is the only game in town, the only people, only brand anybody's checking for. Then you have this little indie company, Ring of Honor, run by uh, Gabe Zapolsky and this guy named Rob Feinstein, who turns out to be a piece of shit, which is not unusual in professional wrestling. Uh, but and, he, and he's still around, by the way, because he uh, he's, he used to record, he used to tape a lot of ECW shows, and he owns like the rights to a lot of the stuff he filmed, and he made a lot of money off of that. And some of that money ended up funding Ring of Honor, which eventually became this, you know, very big, very important promotion uh, to the history of wrestling. Because when you look at WWE, AEW, TNA, New Japan, all you see are guys who at one point or another passed through Ring of Honor. They've had every, you know, basically every big name, high profile wrestler now made their name in Ring of Honor. CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Young Bucks, of course, Kenny Omega, even though his RH1, initial RH1 uh, run wasn't. Uh, the biggest deal in the world. But Christopher Daniels. You know, so many different wrestlers have passed through there and had such great matches, made such great memories. Um, it's been a real celebration, uh, Final Battle, so far. Lots of wrestlers have sent in uh, little uh, video messages. CM Punk sent in a message talking about all the great times he had there, how... Re- and- Exactly what I was saying, like how most of the top stars in wrestling are Ring of Honor guys. Ring of Honor was the place that saw what the future of wrestling could be. You had a promotion set up, not trying to emulate WWE, but, but trying to bring an actual alternative to it to present something different, to present wrestling in a way that's not been presented in the United States in a very, in a very long time at that time. At the time, WWE was very much focused on these convoluted characters and storylines, not so much the wrestling. Ring of Honor said, we're just going to focus on the wrestling. We're going to bring the best young wrestlers here. We're going to let them wrestle how they want to wrestle have the matches they want to have. And we're going to try to appeal to the hardcore wrestling fan, which I find, you know, fairly, you know, admirable. And it was a vision. It was a vision that changed all of wrestling. Because all you see, you know, Tyler Black, Claudio Castagnoli, uh, I guess, uh, what's Tyler Black's? Seth Rollins and... Um, God, I can never remember Claudio's ROH name, his slave name, but, you know, Luke Harper. Every, it just seems so many of the great wrestlers now pass through there because ROH understood that, that the, the beauty of wrestling is what happens in the ring, what happens in between the ropes. Telling the stories in the ring, not on the microphone, but in the ring. That's how ROH did it. And it was very different, very fresh at the time.
it's unfortunate to see it end so early, though, because it feels like, especially with the, when the pandemic happened, they made a lot. Uh, they made the most of the situation, and they treat their wrestlers really, really well during the pandemic. But unfortunately, they haven't rebounded in the way that their parent company Sinclair uh, thinks uh, maintain uh, is a. Uh, you know, we're still investing in as a full-time promotion. So Ring of Honor, as of today, no longer going forward um, as a full-time wrestling promotion with full-time wrestling on the roster. It, may, it seems like there may be some events that will still happen, but it won't be a full promotion. But we've gotten some hints on Final Battle tonight about what the future of ROH might be. The women's title match between uh, Roxy and Willow Nightingale. Roxy maintained, uh, retained the title with a cold red and a pretty good match. But after the match, in a, pretty, in a pretty big surprise, TNA Impact's Deanna Perrazzo comes out and challenges... Roxy to a unification uh, match after she wins back the Impact title. She hasn't won the Impact title yet. She's currently the AAA uh, Reina de Reinas title. But she did say she wants to have a unification match. And, and the commentators put it over and said, hey, maybe this is the way the title will continue. And I like that. I was, in fact, I was thinking before the match, it would be really cool if they kept that women's title and made it part of another title, made it part of like a double crown or a triple crown, that's how these things happen. You know, a promotion shuts down, the title sticks around, and then, hey, now you got some, the promotion that's still around says, hey, now we got a double champion. And now we got a triple champion. So I think that would be pretty cool if the Ring of Honor women's title ends up tied in with the Impact title. Only problem is Impact loves getting rid of the unified belt, so I don't know how long they would actually carry around the Women of Honor World title. I would like them to carry around for a while, like the Triple A, uh, like the um, Triple Crown in all Japan, which they kept, as, which they kept as three separate belts for a pretty good while. No longer, but for a while. Final battle right now. Young Bucks just sent in their video message. And the Briscoes are coming out for one last Ring of Honor match. At least as full-time wrestlers. Wondering where a lot of these wrestlers are going next. The Briscoes, high-value tag team, could mean a lot to AEW or WWE or Impact or MLW or anywhere they go. Probably the hottest free agents, I think. Personally, I think they could bring a lot to AEW. I think they could bring a hell of a lot to that tag team division. Especially if they're going to keep two titles around. If they can keep the uh, AAA titles around on uh, FTR, have a two-title division... It worked in WCW for a while. They used to have the world titles and the U.S. tag titles. 
Let's see how deep it gets. Right now, coming out, Mike Bennett, the OGK, the ROH Tag Team Champions. Maria looks wonderful. Very sad for Maria um, and a lot in the women's division in particular with ROH because they were just rebuilding it. They were just rebuilding it. Maria was in charge of it. It was legit. People moved. People moved uh, to be close to where Ring of Honor was going to be set up in Texas. And now they, they're just out of jobs, unfortunately. Nothing that any... But, you know, people... It seems like people are happy at the show because they know on some level it's not the promotion's fault. The promotion did what it was supposed to do. It's the parent company's fault. Just pulling out. But even the commentators, like, everybody seems in a pretty good mood and pretty happy and feeling pretty accomplished. You know, accomplish, which they should, because I always did a lot. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't fail. You know, the economy failed them. Big crowd too. Big crowd. Lots of lots of kids in the audience too. They're showing like twelve kids. Uh, but final battle, great show so far. UFC is just getting started. I'm excited for this UFC show. I don't get too excited for a UFC anymore. I used to. I used to. I used to. Every time there was a UFC show, me and my boys, we run out to the Hooters, to the Buffalo Wild Wings, and we watch ourselves some UFC. Watch ourselves some Anderson Silva, some Wanderlei Silva, some motherfucking Forrest Griffin getting his ass whooped by Rampage. That was some good times. It was some good times. You know, the that 2000, late 2000s, mid to late 2000s UFC culture was kind of fun. Kind of fun to be in. I never owned an Affliction shirt. I never owned an Affliction shirt. But it was a fun thing to do. It was a fun thing to be into. I feel like UFC's kind of lost the luster now. It's lost that pop culture momentum that it used to have. I'm not shedding any tears for him. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for Dana White in the slightest that he wasn't able to ultimately wasn't able to become the next Vince McMahon. They're still treating their fires poorly and not paying them well. In fact, that's part of the story of the main event here tonight because it's Amanda Nunez versus Pena who is ranked number five and is a big, big underdog in this match, unlikely to win, is for the um, women's bantamweight title, the 145 title. And that's a division that's been kept basically on ice for since Amanda Nunez won the title uh, from Cyborg, in large part because UFC did not resign Cyborg, even though she was the number one women's fighter of all time, until the, uh, cons- widely considered so, until her loss intense, uh, to Nunez. And after that loss, UFC announcers immediately declared Nunez the greatest female fighter of all time. Just, just needed that one win over Cyborg, and that was it. 
Cyborg never got a rematch from that match, by the way. Absolutely inexplicable that she wouldn't get a rematch. It was just, you know, it was it could have gone either way. It wasn't like she was absolutely dominated. dominated. She got knocked out. She got caught. They could have done another match and should have done another match. But Dana White has, like, a legitimate personal grudge against Cyborg. Has said some really nasty, horrific things about her personally. While she was, you know, an employee. No other... I could not imagine... Imagine, like, the male commissioner of the WNBA saying that one of the players looked like a man. That would that would set, you know, that person would be run out of town on rails. But Dana White literally did that to Cyborg, along with his buddy Joe Rogan. And it's all cool. Like, he still gets to be the boss of UFC. Even talking like like, and he said that on like on a radio show. It wasn't like a Donald Sterling. He didn't get caught slipping on a private conversation saying that he said that publicly. But besides that match, which is go- probably going to be fairly one sided and may spell the end to the one forty five division because. There's always been, it's always been the 145 division for women has always been hard. Going back in the day, Gina Carano initially, I think it was Elite XC, had a 140 division specifically because Gina Carano wa- walks around at like 165, so she's naturally a 145er. But there's not that many, there weren't that many women at the time who fought at 145. And so in order to convince 135 wrestlers, fighters to uh, to bump up, they made this fake 140 division and just expected Gina Carano uh, to lose those uh, extra five pounds. And she really struggled with it. She really like could not make that weight. But it was an artificial weight and it's not... It was a kind of a fake division. It's not 140. It's, 140. it's 135 and 145, and they try to create this fake division. Strike Force got it right and just made a 145 division. And there are women that fight, but it's just like UFC is was just not interested once uh, Ronda Rousey lost. Once Ronda lost, UFC kind of didn't care. They didn't want to bring, they really fought against bringing in Cyborg for years, even though she was widely considered the best women's fighter in the world and wanted to go to UFC. And they ran her around so much. They built up Ronda Rousey. Ronda loses. Cyborg eventually wins. And they're like, oh, fuck this division. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? Nunez challenges, even though she's the 135 champ, she's a double champ in this division that already has problems maintaining talent. Why would you ever want a double champion? That just makes it even harder to book matches around her schedule. It's like they deliberately killed the division. And this might be the, like the last gasp of it. 
a, you know, a one-sided match with no real contenders and weighing in the wings after that. I don't know. What do you think? Feel free to call in. Let me know what you think about combat sports, WWE, AEW, ROH, Impact, UFC, whatever you want to talk about. Feel free to call in to Culture. Happy to have you tonight. I just mentioned WWE, I think for the first time. We don't talk a lot of WWE. Except when wrestlers are leaving. And two big ones are leaving this week. Two big names. Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly. Now, they've spent the past, what, three? I think both of them have been in NXT at least three years. At least three years they've been in NXT. And as far as I know, WWE just decided that they just never developed. They, they just spent all their career, WWE career in developmental. I guess they just never developed into real professional wrestlers to WWE standards. So let's see. Yeah, no. Johnny Gargano has been in WWE since 2015. Six years. Six years in NXT. And I know he did a lot of great things there that a lot of people loved. I know. I, I, I was a fan of Johnny Gargano before he went to WWE. I really, really dug a lot. I was a big fan of him. I saw him a lot in AIW. Saw him a lot in Chikara. Remember Fist? Remember Fist? Friends in similar tights. What was it? It was Gargano. It was Icarus. And it was Chucky T, Sexy Chucky Taylor. Very fun faction from Chikara. I'm a, I, I like Johnny Gargano. I'm not sure, though, how well he might fit in AEW, in the main event scene there. I'm not sure. For me, it feels like he's more of like an impact guy to me. Gargano feels more like an impact guy, the kind of guy that gets over an impact. You know, Chris Saban type. Kyle O'Reilly, though, that's a killer. That is a cold blood killer. I love Kyle O'Reilly a lot as a wrestler. I was very sad to see him signed by WWE. Happy for him on a personal level, obviously, but on an artistic level, he was—he's just like a pure, one of the purest. The purest distillation of what I love about a professional wrestler, that is Kyle O'Reilly. But I don't watch WWE. So he's been in WWE since 2017. And again, 
looking, I mean, look, I, I know we did a lot of stuff that people enjoyed there. But how did they never bring him up to the main roster? How did they never bring up Kyle O'Reilly to the main roster? Like, what is wrong with him? It's like he doesn't even have the knock on him that a lot of these other guys do that, you know, Gargano, he's a shorter guy. Adam Cole is a shorter guy. Kyle O'Reilly is six feet tall and, you know, looks a little bit taller than that. Kyle O'Reilly has the size, the style, the look, the intensity. What more could you want from a wrestler than Kyle O'Reilly? What more do you need to develop in someone that's been that good for that early? I, you know, going back to ROH, I remember when Kyle O'Reilly first started showing up in ROH. As I think he, he was came in kind of as like Davy Richards' buddy, something like that. He was like a second to David Richards. And for people who don't know, the ROH audience was is was was is and always will be very discerning and very hard on new wrestlers. They don't like anybody first coming in. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. But Kyle O'Reilly was one of the few that immediately people were like. This guy has it. I want to see more of this guy. Next day on the message board, everybody is talking about the Kyle O'Reilly match. He even got booked in a match with the ROH world champion before getting signed. That's how good he was. He was so impressive to the crowd and the promotion. They even before they signed him officially, they had they put him in a special attraction match with Austin Aries, the world champion at the time. Natural wrestler, just stellar performer. Always good, always hungry, always getting better. He just has it. And WWE just does not see it. WWE just thinks that I don't know what I don't know what else Kyle O'Reilly could do. I don't know what else he could do put on his resume for him to show up on WWE's doorstep and for them to understand that he's a good wrestler. What more does he need to develop? I don't know, but I'm excited to see Kyle O'Reilly return to professional wrestling proper, and I hope to God it's an AEW. He's actually a guy I would want to see hold an AEW world title. You know, I, I'm I'm going to, I I'm going to be very I, I've been talking about it on the wrestling show. I'm going to be pretty stingy with who with I think AEW should be stingy with who they give the title to, and I'm going to be stingy with who I say is worthy of the title. Adam Cole. Sorry, you already already had one person in the lead with the title. That's it. That's it. Kenny, that was it. No one else, no other elite gets to have the title, as far as I'm concerned. 
We need less tight. We need less champions, less title reigns. Hey, that's one of the lessons of ROH. That's one of the first things they showed. That having a long title reign can mean something. That two-year Samoa Joe title reign put ROH on the map for a lot of people. Everyone need to hear about this guy named Samoa Joe who had held a world championship for two years? Can you imagine in, in what was it, 2005 era wrestling? Unheard of. WWE did copy it a few times. They, they saw what ROH did with Samoa Joe and they tried to copy it many times. They copy ROH a lot, actually. I mean, the summer of punk. ROH did that storyline first. Right now in Final Battle, Mark Briscoe going to the top rope. Elbow drop. Looking like the Briscoes are going to go out. The World Tag Team Champions, ROH World Tag Team Champions. Once again, the Briscoe brothers. The whole Briscoe family is in the audience. The whole Briscoe family is in the audience. I would really like to see the ROH tag titles continue with the Briscoes. That would be a big. That would be a big deal, and those titles mean a lot. That is one. Thing, that's another thing that's always stood up about ROH. They loved tag team wrestling. They focused on tag team wrestling. They stuck with tag team wrestling. Always, always, always. The Briscoe brothers currently celebrating in the ring with their newly won world titles. You love to see it. Streamers in the ring. The the thing about the streamers, the thing about the streamers in ROH is it comes from Japan, right? You see the streamers thrown in, in Japanese wrestling matches, but those aren't the streamers that you get at Party City, which is what all the ROH fans get. Those are actual, uh, they're like a ribbon made out of paper. They call it paper tape. And they come in rolls like ribbon. And even when you get those rolls, in order to uh, throw them as a streamer, you have to re-roll them tighter so that they look good. It's a very meticulous work, actually. Very meticulous work from the Japanese fans to make those streamers. It takes a lot of time. American fans just get the party city things and throw them, and they always look like it never looks good because it's not paper tape. It's not actual, you know, those streamers in Japan, they wrap up real nice. It takes forever to get the American streamers out because they're just soft cloth paper. It just stays there, doesn't go anywhere. It takes 10 seconds to clean the Japanese ring. Even a retirement ceremony where they, Fill the ring with the streamers. Doesn't take that long to get. All you, you can see the refs. They have a method where they just whirl their hand around like they're making a little tornado, and then wrap up the rim and toss it out because it's the right type of streamer. Sorry to rant about how American fans get streamers wrong, but they do. But they do. And it looks like we have a finish in the UFC. Fight, not finish a decision, a decision, 
O'Malley versus Fiva. And we also, oh, FTR has shown up at Ring of Honor while O'Malley raises his hand in victory. FTR has just shown up in Ring of Honor, confronting the Briscoes, and they're just fighting. They're just fighting. There's no talk. There's no angle. They're just fighting. So I guess we know, well, who the Briscoes are fighting next. Maybe not where, but we know who. Words could not express how much they just looked at each other and started beating the shit out of each other. I like that. There was no hesitation. There was no real... They just went after it. They were just like, we're going to kill each other. Just off the top. They, there has been a war of words on Twitter between these two. I thought it was, it was kind of light. It seemed kind of light. This is an intense fight they're having. God, FTR is there and they are pissed. The Briscoes are pissed. This is some good shit. God damn. Why is Ring of Honor going away? It's so good. It can be so good. Why is Ring of Honor going away? Oh, well. But we're going to see more of this, I think. I think we're going to see FTR versus the Briscoes somewhere. Somewhere. Oh, FTR is picking up the ROH tag titles. They're throwing them back to him. I want to see that. I want to see this feud. I don't know where it's going to happen. ML. Oh, they're going at it again. They're going at it again. I can't believe this. This is some good shit. ROH is always good about the brawls and the um, riots. They used to have these, these the riots back in the day where they would have like 20 people fighting all in the crowd. People who weren't even wrestling. You didn't even know they were wrestlers. They were just trainees. Uh, and it, they would seem like they were just part of the crowd. It was just wild. Oh, and they're doing a little bit of chaos here, too. FTR getting into it with the cameraman. Man, they're still talking shit. That, this is going to be intense. This is, they're going, I like it. I like it. FTR versus the Briscoes happening somewhere. ROH tag titles continuing, perhaps. We know the women's title is going to continue. Sadly, we don't know what's going to happen with the ROH World Championship. ROH World Champion Bandido not able to appear on Final Battle due to contracting COVID. Wishing him and his family the best. And hey, we have Brian Danielson giving his special video message for ROH. Brian looks good. He looks good. He looks like he's been refreshed, restored as a professional wrestler over these past few weeks. Let me see what he's talking about. He's talking about losing the title at a final battle to Homicide Having his retina detached by Morishina, Morishima. And thanking the fans now, Brian Danielson is. It really is a celebration. It's more like a jazz funeral for RH. And everybody's saying, hope, hoping 
something sticks around. It seems like a few things are sticking around, though. At least some of the titles are. Oh, they're showing a nice a video package. I think an old one, though, showing all the Ring of Honor champions. Who's your favorite champion? Obviously, I'm a big fan of Brian Danson. Big fan of Brian Danson uh, as a champ. Briscoe, pretty good champ, intense champ. Christopher Daniels, nice sentimental win. Cody as well. Dalton as well, all sentimental wins. PCO as well. I'm looking through. It's like ROH. They do, they do a lot of sentimental world title wins. Jerry Lynn was another one. I mean, the announcers sound so... They're just talking about how they love everyone. They're really, really kind of an emotional show so far. I, I, but ROH, man, they always brought out those real emotions when other wrestling didn't. That's the thing I always loved about it. Is it, it made you feel like wrestling was could be real again. Made you feel like a kid again. Made you believe a little bit again. But you know what made me believe in wrestling? This week? Hook. Folks, Hook is real. Hook is legit. Hook is the man. Hook is not a fail son. He's a succeed son. Hook is one of the first succeed sons in history. Did you see his debut match against Fuego del Sol? My God, Hook put a whooping on that boy. He put a whooping on him. And looked pretty while doing it. Amazing. Everybody was just talking about, oh, my God, Hook is so cool. We love Hook. The crowd was going wild. Hook, Hook, Hook. Hook is going to kill you. And he didn't break a sweat. Just came out there, ran through, judo throw after judo throw, submission after submission. Hook is legit. Oh, and looks like we have our first caller, Hanzi. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Yo, what's up, man? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Just watching some Ring of Honor and uh, UFC. Got the side-by-side going. Jonathan Gresham coming out in his Cthulhu mask, looking good for what will be the last main event for a ROH Final Battle. Sad to see it, but happy to see Jonathan Gresham in it. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. I'm actually... Yo, was there two lineages because they're bringing back the old ROH title? But is that just like because like they're naming off names? But like like the same title that they have now is is like the same lineage, right? Like it's not like the NWA TNA thing going on, right? Right. Yeah, the ROH World Title was always the same. I think um, at one point Matt Taven made himself a fake belt, but they never changed the lineage. The t- old title that they bring out, I think this is just more kind of 
ceremonial or maybe maybe they are going to split the heritage but it is that's just the original belt but the new when they upgraded the when they changed the design it wasn't a new title itself they just changed how it looked okay no no yeah i was confused because like they're just naming off names of who won this so i guess they're just naming off specific people who had that title design but like yeah i i got into roh a little late because i was I, I was like it was easier to access impact right yeah and i figured that all these guys from roh were gonna just appear in wwe like i thought everyone i thought after WWE, like i was like actually a blind mcmahon supporter unfortunately <laughs> and and i just thought people were gonna come so i didn't really bother with the indies because they felt like after ecw there's like so many companies that were trying to kind of come up and they're all just like failing kind of right so i didn't know which ones were going to stay and all that that's why i kind of just kept it safe but in like 2009 2010 i had to get away from the wwe like i was still watching it but i needed something more and even though it wasn't the same far away in the 2000s with like joe and punk brian and all them i still like i still like hold like the last 10 years like, you know, in high standard because, like, I started becoming more of a fan of it. So, like, I got to see Cole, O'Reilly, Steen, Generico, you know, Bobby Fish, you know, uh, you know, all, all, all the, I got to see more of the, I know the Briscoes were around originally, but I got to see, like, you know, more of the Briscoes and all that type of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I got, I was able, lucky enough to get in very early in Ring of Honor. Um, I, I think I heard the buzz even after the first show. I downloaded it. I watched some of it, didn't get too into it. But then a few months later, like I think about, about around the time Samoa Joe's run started getting going, I went back, watched that first show again. And have you ever seen that, that main event triple threat match between uh, Loki, uh, Christopher Daniels, and what was it? Uh, Loki, Christopher Daniels, and Brian Danielson uh, at the Era of Honor Begins? Yeah, yeah, that's like one of the infamous. Like when I started getting into it, luckily there was people who are uploading like certain oh, yeah. on YouTube. So, so when I got so when I got into ROH, I just one day I just started going through like all kinds of matches. I didn't know who everyone was. I just wanted to know more about Brian Danielson because I knew he signed with WWE. So I wanted to know what like you know what I mean I because I, I remember when I was into wrestling news in the late nineties. I remember Brian Danielson kind of being signed with WWE in the late 90s. And then I remember, like, people were praising that this guy is going to be really great. And then I remember he got released, and then I didn't hear anything. from. And then I remember the the infamous match that, like, was popular on the Internet. It was between him and John Cena on Velocity. And, and everyone oh, yeah. said that, like, that was, like, John Cena's, like, greatest, like, squash match because... It was just like on Velocity, because on Velocity they had a lot of like ROH guys show up as like jobbers, you know, for the stars, basically, right? So I, I, I kind of started getting into him a little bit more, and then so I, I, so I saw that triple threat, but like it's been a long time since I seen it. Like I, I can't even remember who, who won all the CM Punk Samoa Joe matches because I was just taking all this information in. I wanted to catch it all, like you know, just to catch up like mentally, but like I, I can't even retain half of it. But I do remember that main event you're talking about. Oh yeah, I I think when I first started, I just I watched every single ROH show, like every single one in order. Once I started getting into it, and it was just it was riveting. I don't know how I how I even found the time to do it, but somehow I was able to see all those three hour shows. I very rarely fast forwarded through anything. Now that I think about it, I watched some you know bad stuff, but man, there was a lot of good stuff there. 
Lots of great stuff. I remember, yeah, and people would upload those individual matches. What was the other one? The low-key versus Samoa Joe fight without honor. That was a big one people like to upload. And also, uh, low-key versus Amazing Red. I think that sequence is still kind of a meme because they do this kind of Kung Fu Matrix-style sequence that basically no one has seen in wrestling before. A lot of people do it now. Um, but, man, low-key, yeah, he was the guy who stood out for me first. Who was it for you? Um. Well... Well, the guy that you mentioned, I saw like low, like low key stood out for me, but it was an impact. He was like different. He was Senshi. He was low key. He was different names. So like when Joe came to Impact, and my brother, my brother was telling me that he's he's at another place called Ring of Honor. I was like, oh man, this guy is awesome. So I just started exclusively watching Impact just to see Samoa Joe and Loki and like Christopher Daniels and like you know uh, AJ Styles and all those guys. I had I, and I knew that the uh, ROH and TNA had an like agreement, but then they broke off of the agreement. So then I just went with the easier thing. But like for me, like during my time of watching it, one of like I think one of the highlights that I I really really uh, really liked that like it doesn't get stated enough was Jay Lethal's uh, 2014 heel turn where he won the TV title and he kept that for like over a year and then he uh, did a title versus a title and then he won the world title. He still had the TV title. I thought during those two, two years from 2014 to 2016, Jay Lethal was like on another level. Like it was. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, absolutely. Just really top notch, really killing it. And, and that was after he... Um, had been an impact for a while. And Jay Lethal is somebody who started as a trainee uh, at Origin. In fact, you, you get to see, I mean, I mean, it's a shame that his character arc involves sexual harassment because otherwise it would be an amazing story for him because he started off as yeah. just this young kid in the audience who became one of their first trainees and then became their world champion multiple times and one, one of, if not the greatest wrestler uh in the history of the company aside from the sexual harassment though uh yeah yeah dude, it's it's so hard to like you know be a fan of anyone man because everyone's like problematic on some level and you feel like an asshole because then like you know cause you're still enjoying their matches but you're like oh this guy's a piece of shit maybe you know what i mean yeah. but yo there's there's one angle that i never got to see i could i can never find it on youtube or whatever and all that do you know the, the the infamous angle with like Jimmy Jacobs, uh, Seth Rollins, Tyler Black, and like maybe the Briscoes, where like there was like like uh, like somebody like h- hanging somebody, and there was like a big like, there was like a bloody mess and all that kind of stuff. I I I keep hearing the legends of it, but I never got to see that angle play out. And people talk about that like being one of the, the darkest angles they've done in in, in ROH. Oh no, I remember that. I saw that. It was fucking awesome. I remember the night it happened. Uh, this may be shocking to people, but. ROH, you, this was before Twitter, right, and fast social media or even status updates. So in order to see what was happening live at something, you had, I had, to, go, you had to go to the ROH message board and hope that someone would, had a phone. There weren't even smartphones, but they were like phones that could get on the internet and would be like tweeted. Or people would, actually, someone would text it to their friend who was at home, and then they would post it. But you wouldn't always get it. I remember the posts about this and people saying, this is some of the craziest shit we ever seen, man. Jimmy Jacobs came out in a white suit and cut open Briscoe and hung him upside down. And the suit became drenched with uh, white suit became drenched with blood. 
and the pictures uh, got uploaded. Some low res pictures got uploaded. I think maybe to Jimmy Jacobs's MySpace. And man, it's really, really fucking good. It was a debut of the Age of the Fall, and this was, yeah, yeah, it was this Jimmy Jacobs' yes, new kind of yeah, golf violence horror giallo inspired uh, stable. It was pretty cool, and also kind of emo too as well. Tyler Black was in it. Who else? Lacey, uh, Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins, was in it. Necro Butcher was in it. Lacey, who I love, a wonderful uh, women's wrestler who did not get her due, sadly, because she just came in too soon. Uh, if she had debuted, if she had started wrestling, you know, a few years later, she'd be on WWE TV and everybody would be uh, in love with her. Uh, but she was in it as well. And man, that angle was really good. It was really different and intense and weird and more violent than you used to see. And it certainly cooler than anything WWE was doing at the time. Similarly, you know, this was real blood of Briscoe dripping from the rafters. Man, the Briscoes are actually known for bleeding a lot. Uh, uh, actually, the, the infamously, the Mark Briscoe versus Jay Briscoe match, I think from the first year of ROH, Mark Briscoe just bleeds buckets against his brother uh, to the point where people are, like, are worried uh, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Briscoe, you know, when people talk about like the, like, like the best tag teams, they always mention New Day, Usos, the Bucks, and all these guys. But like the Briscoes, like are always kind of left out of the conversation quietly, even though they've been like very consistent for the last yeah, the, years. Man. Like, yeah, I don't know who else you could even. I, the Briscoes are it. Really, the only thing knock against them is that they only stayed in the Ring of Honor, and now that's not going to be the case anymore. So people are going to have to update their list if they're not putting the Briscoes on it. I, I don't know if anything in WWE even counts as tag team wrestling. Uh, I, I like. I really don't think most of the tag team matches I see in yeah. WWE really even like count as like so serious tag team matches. That was a you know I mentioned earlier. That was one of the things I love about ROH. They always took tag team wrestling seriously. They tried to make tag team matches that were like uh, old school. Uh, matches or a Japanese style tag team uh, matches and but you know very serious long matches I remember they did the two out of three falls thing which uh, was popular in all Japan women's uh, tag team matches and I, I, I actually think any tag team title match should be two out of three falls now that w- that wouldn't work in AEW because they do a tag team title match like every sh- every tv show but i think you know uh if they did less of them uh that would work i like I, I that would work and actually i think the briscoes yeah they did a whole run where they beat every tag team two falls straight and it just was like very very good stuff even though they were it proved how dominant they were but still had stakes because if they lost even a fall, that still was a show that they maybe weren't as good as they said they were. No, 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 that's a good point because even when I started watching in the 2010s, like they always tried to prioritize tag team wrestling so much that I 
I, I, I really, I really dug their tag division in the 2010s as well. Like, 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 like the Bucks and all of them got a like main event. Like, I remember there was like a, a couple of years ago there was like I think uh, uh, Kazarian and and Daniels versus the Bucks versus the Briscoes in like a ladder war like a couple of years ago in ROH. And I thought that and they main event the pay per view and I and yeah, I, I, I love me. I'm, I'm, a per, I'm a my personal thing is like I love good tag teams and I could you know I could even like bring it back to WWE where I think like the tag division. Like started having holes in it after like Shawn Michaels and Diesel won the titles because like they just forfeited the titles and then each time like that would happen with the titles the t- the tag division would be really really bad for a bit like in '96 there's like four tag teams like the Godfathers <laughs> uh, the the Body Donnas and Smoking Guns and like it was like it was really horrible while WCW had like the Steiners Booker T. Uh, no, uh, Harlem Heat, you know, and Nash and Hall and all these guys. And I just thought, like, their division's always been much cooler than what WWF did. And until the Attitude Era started kicking into gear. But, like, I, I just feel like even during those years, like, uh, all these title reigns really meant nothing. I felt like the Attitude Era, the booking, like, I love the Attitude Era for, like, for what it was, right? But I feel booking-wise, like, it was just really, really, like, like you look back at the booking, it's really, really crooked. Like how like many people would just win tag titles or 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 random like you know uh, uh, world titles like three times within a month or something like that. Yeah, they really devalued the title. It was exciting at the time, but at a certain and when and when they doubled the amount of titles and kept the same booking, it just didn't work at all. Some I remember they there were certain points when WWE had a good. I want post um, merger with WCW. There was a point in time, I maybe I forget the year where they had like multiple, div- uh, you know, levels of their tag team. They had main event tag teams and mid card tag teams and jobber tag teams, and they had like you know twelve to fifteen tag teams all with their specific roles. And it was I, I remember I think it was who did they have? They had the Headbangers. Pretty low was it? It was when X Pac was with Kane. I think maybe when Big Show was with Undertaker. But they had tag teams on all different levels, and the, some of the matches were pretty damn good. But uh, you know, w, Vince just does not like tag team wrestling. He just does not believe in it. He does it every so often. It's just like women's wrestling. You know, he doesn't believe in it. But he'll do. He'll push it every now and then. But after, after a certain point, he's going to go back. To what he knows. Yeah, no, 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 de- de- definitely because like, like the, that's always been my, my like one of my knocks against Vince McMahon is that like he'll put like right now they're putting more effort into a makeshift team with like Randy Orton and Matt, Matt Riddle, basically doing stoner humor that like would have like not even good stoner humor, just humor that would have been like revolutionary like in like the late nineties or early two thousands. Like now, like even like even Paul Heyman is like making mention of like, oh my god, my edibles are kicking in. Like, <laughs> of all that shit so badly it comes across so corporate like like the tag division to do the tag division like they have good teams like the profits and the usos and the new day it just i feel bad for those guys like because it's like i I say i give those guys credit because they're able to still get over as a tag team even in a company that doesn't prioritize it so i would like to see like the usos and new day outside of the wwe where they can actually mesh well with like the bucks fdr and like the briscoes and all that kind of stuff because i do think like the usos are really really good at promo like they're like they like they're like a talk you into the building kind of tag team when they're given the chance to like get on the microphone you know 
What do you think about the uh, Briscoes and FTR uh, apparently in a feud now? Oh, dude, dude I've, 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 been, I've, been wait, I've been waiting for this, man. Like, the Briscoes definitely deserve to be on, like, national television on, like, a high level, man. Like, and I, I like the, – the reason why I love the FDR so much is, like, they put so much detail into, like, old-school elements. Oh, yeah. Tank, that, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, and, like, every time, like, you know, uh, uh, Dax – Cuts a promo about like what this means to his family and how 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 you're gonna make money like that always resonates with me because like it it, it makes you feel more it makes you feel like that like this battle is not like just a stupid match you're doing this is like everything to these guys and I always appreciate when somebody makes a match bigger than what what it needs to be even if it's just a small match. Yeah, they're they're masters that they are even online they're. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely. Like, I, I'm actually, I'm really glad that they actually left because then, like, their NXT run was really, really good. And then as soon as they get to the main roster, it's like they got injured, and then they, they had to like separate for a bit. And then like, it's just like they're doing like sports entertainment type of storylines. So I, I really like that these guys have like rebranded and all that. You, know, let me ask you, did you just catch the EC3 thing? Uh, EC3, no. I didn't see what happened with EC3. Oh, okay. So after, like, EC3, Eli Awesome, T- Taylor Rust, and Tracy Williams fought Violence Unlimited, uh, EC3 started going off about the corporate greed in promotions and how our, our, our politicians have let us down and the locker room leaders go for uh, locker room leaders hightail for bigger payday. And he's, like, calling out Brian Johnson, Dak Draper, and uh, Eli Awesome, and he's, like, kind of, sh- like, you know, saying that, like, we need to rebuild. And then all of a sudden, like, Wesley Blake from WWE and Braun Strowman, who's now known as Titan, they come and destroy these guys, and they just basically kidnap them to, like, basically, like, because EC3's been doing these free-the-narrative shows. Like, I-, I think you would dig them, but I think that there's, like, a little something missing where you need to flesh out the idea. I like the concept of what he's doing, but it's, like, it's like cinematic a little bit but it's also like real wrestling type of deal but he's like basically forming like a fight club and kind of going at corporate greed and all that kind of stuff it's a it's a really good it's a really good angle but i think it needs to be fleshed out a little more for it to stand out because people don't really like ec3 all that much for some reason that sounds really interesting i actually kind of dig ec3 from what i've seen i haven't watched a lot of them but that sounds really interesting and we just have jonathan gresham was able to defeat Jay Lethal, and he is holding aloft the original ROH uh, world title. Jordan Grace uh, was uh, there, his uh, wonderful and beastly wrestler of a wife as well uh, with them. And they're saying, now there's a promo saying, April 2022, 20, Ring of Honor will be coming back in some capacity. But that was it. That was the end of an era. Um Happy to see John and Gresham on top of it at the end. I wonder what's going to happen with the title. I hope he defends the title and him and Bandito have to squabble over who's the real Ring of Honor world champion. I think now, if you're going to, would be the first time to break the lineage, actually. Since, they, since the promotion doesn't exist anymore, now would be a time to maybe have a double uh, lineage going and then eventually uh, bring it back together. 
Yeah, no, dude. I, I think that's I think that's spot on. I think they're I think they'll probably I think they're probably gonna do a show during Mania, Mania weekend. I don't know how if any of these show if if like if a lot of people are gonna be doing shows in the same area as where Mania is. But I, I suspected that they would at least come back for like uh for the weekend. I guess that'll probably be a big weekend for them if they can like garner some you know some some attention. In like all where all the conventions are happening and all that, but yeah, no, I like that idea a lot actually, where you can start a new lineage and Jim and uh, and Grisham is like the first one of it. You know what I mean? I'm actually glad they brought. I'm actually glad they brought back the Pure Championship because I I I missed it the first time around. And I saw some of those matches with Nigel McGuinness where Brian and him kind of uh, 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 put it together and all that. So I, I'm actually glad they brought it back because Jonathan Grisham is definitely like my favorite wrestler in our Ring of Honor right now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Hans, thank you so much for calling yeah, in. Sure. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to close out the show. I'm going to keep watching uh, this UFC ROH final bout. was a great show. If you didn't have a chance to check it out, make sure to catch that again. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Leslie the third or patreon.com slash struggle session. Listen to my show as well. Uh, and you can also hear that at sesh.plus and sesh.show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Culture. Thank you so much to my caller, Hansi, my boy. Have a good one. Peace.